Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. First Sunday of the month, Marshalls get paid here. So we're going to give. I, one of the hard things about the pandemic is we stopped passing the plate. And I, and I don't know if we'll ever get able to go back to that, but you do understand that giving is a part of worship. All of the offerings in the book of Leviticus were basically there to teach us about the nature of worship, acknowledging the worth-ship, the worth of God in our life. And so... Uh, we're doing it differently. It's interesting, all the churches that I talked to in my other job, churches that were good at stewardship before COVID have done remarkably well during this and are still supporting missions and still doing good things. And so God does honor that faithful giving. By the way, at Effingham, we still give there. Uh, we do that uh, online. And I think we've been in the last 13 months at Effingham twice, three times, three times. They said they really don't care as long as my offering shows up. Um, kind of makes me wonder a little bit about that. You know, you, you fade really quickly. <laughs> you, that kind of thing goes. Well, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. And to be very honest, we're going to do pretty much just some basic Bible study. Um, preaching takes a lot of different uh, forms. And uh, there is the prophetic time when Someone from the pulpit proclaims a, a powerful Word of God. Sometimes it's the pastor-teacher role where this is just what the Word of God says. And we're going to do that and just kind of give you a heads up. We're going to talk about the word obedience. And we talked about that some last week, but that's really what Paul is going to talk about to the church in Philippi. He's going to talk about obedience. Now, obedience in a lot of different ways from a Christian standpoint pretty much is just doing what's right. And then there's a shadow side to that, not doing what's wrong. Uh, the whole issue is who says what is right and who says what is wrong. And you understand there are biblical precedents for the world trying to set those values. And everyone did what was right in their own mind. There is a way that seems right to man. But the truth is God is the one who sets right and wrong. That's his right, his preference, his privilege because of being the creator. And then the other element is he's the one who sees beyond this world and sees beyond any moment in which you and I make decisions, and he knows what is right and what is wrong. And so therefore, obedience in some respects is a trusting of God kind of thing. God says some things are right, some things are wrong. Obedience is taking God at His word and doing those things. And so, literally, obedience is kind of basic. And the idea of righteousness is doing what's right. Abraham obeyed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, doing what is right. In fact, one of the ways I've understood just living every day is just doing the next right thing. Getting up in the morning and saying, God, I, I want to do what's right. In fact, I want you to help me to do what's right. Well, he's going to talk about this idea of obedience. And kind of that's where all of us live. And understand, none of us always get it right because we are sinners by nature. But that's what he's going to discuss. So in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm reading out of my English Standard Version today, 
Verse 12. Therefore, and we've got to stop there for a moment because surely at some point you have heard some preacher, some pastor, some teacher say, every time you see therefore, you better ask, why is it therefore? Uh, well, it's always when that word, and it can be translated if so or if then, but it's a connecting word, and it always connects the passage before. Well, the passage last week that we talked about was the mind of Christ, and therefore. So basically, it's because Jesus Christ obeyed God, because He was obedient, because he was obedient in coming to this world, because he was obedient during and in this world, and most of all, because he gave the ultimate example of obedience in being obedient even to death on the cross, because he was obedient, God gave him the name that is above every other name. In other words, what he really has been saying in that great hymn was, Jesus obeyed his Father, and so, therefore, and the obvious suggestion is, you ought to, too. I mean, that's kind of what this, this really is all about. Because of what Jesus has done, that's what you and I ought to do. That's a pretty simple message by itself. So then he goes on and he says, therefore, my beloved. Now, that's another interesting thing. That just as a side word, when he's asking for obedience... He's not asking for selfish. He's asking people because he loves them. Did you ever stop and think that none of God's commands are arbitrary? I mean, God never asks us to do anything that is not for our own good. That every one of God's commands are for our blessing. Every time God says, don't go here, don't do this, it's because God knows something about where you're headed. And he's saying, that's not a place you want to go. There are going to be consequences you don't. In other words, God gives us commands because he loves us. And Paul, because he loves the church at Philippi and, and maybe is more affectionate with them than almost any other church that he writes to, he writes to them and he says, I want you to obey, but I want you to obey because I love you. This is that part of the context. So therefore, my beloved, and then I want you to notice that he affirms the obedience that they've already had going on. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. That's kind of a neat thing. In fact, there are very few times that Paul writes to a church. There are about 33 or 4 churches mentioned individually by name in the New Testament. Most of them have something wrong. I mean, that's just, uh, Paul writes to the church in Galatia. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 11, and he's going to say, Man, I wish I could say you're doing a good job with the Lord's Supper, but you're not. But here he says, you guys are doing a good job. You've been, ever, you know, you've always obeyed. Your past, your track record in obedience is exceptional. It is a good deal. And I just thought maybe this is not a bad moment. Uh, Paul, as an outside observer, is looking at their church and saying, man, I'm looking at your past, and what I've seen is that you've done a good job trying to do what's right. You've done that well. And to be very honest, I'm kind of an outside observer here. Um, and let me just tell you, what I have seen is that this is a church that's trying to do what's right. I mean, I think you're doing pretty well at that. I, now, you're not a perfect church. There aren't any perfect churches. If you find a perfect one, stay away. You'll mess it up. There aren't any perfect churches. 
But my observation is that you're really trying to do what's right. I, I've enjoyed getting around to, to know your staff, and I guarantee you they are not perfect. In fact, some of them are a little fuzzy around the edges, but, but uh, especially Ryan Mulvaney. If he's in his service, he's really fuzzy around the edges. But uh, I, I, they're not perfect, but I will tell you this. There are individuals who want to do what's right. They're really trying to do it. They, they want to get it right. They want to get it right on a weekly basis. They want to get it right in worship. They want to get it right in ministry. They, they're trying to do what's right, and, and that's worthy of affirming. And certainly I've, I've met with the deacons, and they're going to meet tonight after the service, after communion. And, and I will tell you, they're not perfect, and they're not always getting it right. But doggone it, they're trying, and they have a conviction to try and do what's right and try and provide biblical, spiritual leadership. And, and I've talked with the search committee, and I guarantee you, they really want to get it right. Uh, in fact, that's kind of tough in that area. There's not a whole lot of room for error. <laughs> you got to get that one right. And, and they're, they're working at that. I mean, there's this sense of, Lord, we want your will more than anything else. And I would just say to you, I, I want to affirm you that, that you have done well. And my observation is for the vast majority, this is a church of people who've been trying to do it right, trying to obey the Lord. And then the next step is keep it up. Don't stop. Keep going on. Keep working. And he says that in kind of a unique way, and he uses a phrase that has kind of messed a lot of folks up. But basically, he says, you've been doing a good job. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but more in my absence. And by the way, that's one of the definitions of integrity. It's doing the same thing when people are watching as when they're not watching. It's being the same person every place, everywhere at all times. And he says, you've been obeying while I was there, and I was there to tell you you were wrong if you were, but keep that up. But then he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, people struggle with that passage, and they use it for a lot of different things. But remember the context. The context is he's talking about obedience. And he's saying Jesus was obedient. You've been obedient continue to be obedient, and he just basically says, obedience is hard work. Doing what's right is hard work. It's not easy to make those decisions day in and day out. There's a challenge, and you keep working it, but that's the nature of once we have come to know Jesus Christ and we have a testimony, we have a story, then that story ought to lead us to Jesus being our Lord and our salvation implies that we are going to continue to work to obey Him. And by the way, it is tough to do what's right. There's a significant verse that says, do not grow weary in well-doing. In other words, sometimes it's hard to just keep doing right day in and day out. To do right as a, a mother or a father or as a husband or wife. To keep obeying God on a daily basis. To, to be in business and make godly decisions and make the right choices every single part of life when it comes to financial things and spiritual things and church things and family things and neighborhood things and community things. To do what's right is not easy. And that requires a certain level of commitment. And that's why this passage exists. He's saying, you've been obedient, and the cause of example of Jesus says obedience, so keep working at it. And keep working at it because it is the most important thing because he's just got through giving us this picture of judgment. 
When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and we know eventually that the books will be opened and every deed will be made manifest. And so he says, yeah, there ought to be a little fear and there ought to be a little trembling and you ought to be able to say, Lord, if I'm going to get it right today, I'm going to have to have your help. There's kind of that thing, now, Lord, I've, I've so far today done really well. I haven't yelled at anybody. I haven't cussed. I haven't sworn. I haven't done anything wrong. I've tried to treat everybody right. I've tried to do everything I should do. But, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed any minute now, and it's going to get tough. We understand that's kind of what this work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's, Lord, today the responsibility of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not casual. To say, Lord, I want you today to order my steps. I want you to give me direction. I want you to lead me, not into temptation. Lord, I, I, I want you to lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. I want you to show me how to do what is right. And he says, you got to keep doing that. Um, we went uh, Thursday to a 6th and 7th and 8th grade cross-country meet for girls. Our, our granddaughter was there. And, and I just, I didn't ever run cross-country, and it's kind of fun watching it. And, but there's kind of this thing where all the parents and all the, the, the rooters gather at the beginning. And then they kind of, because it's two miles to run, so it takes, you know, between 13 and 15 minutes for junior high girls. And then they all go, and they don't just go to the finish line what I've noticed is they kind of spread out over the last 100, 200 yards, and, and they're all there, and, and it, I just kind of watched this Thursday, and it was, you know, these girls are running, and they've been running, and they've already run a mile and three quarters, and they're tired, and, and, and all these parents are saying, run hard, finish hard, keep going, and it's, they've all just been sitting in chairs for 15 minutes, and these kids are running, but they're, they're saying keep going, but one thing that's always exciting is with that encouragement, almost every one of them starts running faster. It's kind of like they found strength they didn't know they had. Well, that's kind of what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you got the example of Jesus. you got a pretty good track record. You've done a good job. Don't stop. Keep working, keep obeying, keep doing what's right. And yes, the stakes are phenomenal. Someday we're going to be standing before God and, and we need with fear and trembling to keep on working out this act of obedience. And then he goes a step farther and reminds them that basically obedience is how God really works in us and through us. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. As best I understand, the only miraculous thing that God ever did in the world that did not involve a human being being obedient was creation. And from that moment on, every time God intervenes, every time God reaches down into this world and he does something miraculous, there's always somebody who was praying, somebody who was serving, someone who was given a direction to go here, to go there, to do this. There's almost, God has just determined that the way he really works is through his people being obedient. So that's why when God gives you a command, when God speaks to your heart, when God puts a thought in your mind, when he says, here's a place I really want you to go, or here's somebody I want you to minister to, or here's something I want you to do, or here's a way I want you to serve, that when God does that, that is about his will and his purpose and his pleasure, and literally he is inviting us to be a part of his work. 
And God wants you to be obedient in your family, in your marriage, in your church, in your community. That's how God works. That's how God comes down and he reaches down in you and me. And when he leads us and guides us, that's why it's so important to learn, to listen for that still small voice of the Spirit. In fact, I think there's a verse that talks about mature Christians have learned by exercise, by reason of use, to discern good and evil. In other words, we've learned to listen to this Holy Spirit to direct us. There's an old, old-time Baptist word, unction, <laughs> U-N-C-T-I-O-N. Now, Catholics kind of connect that to last rites, and it has the idea of anointing, but but way I've always heard old-time Baptists use it, that unction is when the Spirit of God is moving you to do something. That you receive the unction. In fact, I can remember guys praying. I had people pray that when I preached, there'd be an unction. And at first, I had no clue what they were talking about. So I asked some old people. They knew. But this idea that on a daily basis, Lord, give me direction. Order my steps. That's one of my favorite verses. Order my steps. Lord, today, when I do get out of bed and I have to start deciding, I have to start engaging with people, and I have to start doing stuff and making decisions about how I'm going to live, Lord, you give me the direction, the unction. You give me the, the way to go. And Lord, if there's, and, and by the way, obedience is sometimes true for every one of us. There's some things that are right for you and for me, are wrong for you and for me, and they're wrong for everybody. But then there's an awful lot of obedience where God gives individual specific things they're supposed to do as a part of His will and what He wants to accomplish. And the interesting thing in the body of Christ is that God doesn't ask us all to do the same thing. That's that whole body analogy that God wants you to do something and you to do something and someone else to do something. And the reality is that if everyone in the church, and this is the church context, if everyone in the church is doing what God leads them to do, it will all come together. And so he says, that's how God works. And if you want to be a part of God's work, if you want God to work in you and through you, then it's going to be obedience. It's going to be saying yes to what he wants you to do. But then there's also, and this is kind of interesting, and it just sort of kind of comes out of the blue. He's talking about all these lofty things, the obedience of Jesus and the will of God and, and working out your salvation. And, oh, by the way, quit your grumbling and arguing while you do it. Do all things in this context of obedience without grumbling or disputing or arguing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. Now, you know what that says? That says that it is possible to actually be obeying God and doing what He wants you to do and still be a jerk. I mean, that's what it is. You can either make everybody around you miserable, and you can speak complaining and rolling your eyes and arguing and mad, and, well, I'm going to do it because it's right, but I'm not going to like it. And it's that kind of idea, and there's an awful lot of service and obedience that goes on in the church that is done with lousy attitudes. And grumbling is one of those that comes up. Now, here's kind of an interesting thing. He's already said, you are a good church, and you've been obedient, but why in the world would he throw the, that verse in there? Do you not know there had to be a story 
that Epaphroditus has come to Rome and said, oh yeah, the church is doing great, we're doing this, we're doing this, but man, you should have heard him complain about the donuts on Sunday. I just throw the donuts in for extra. Uh, or you should have heard him about this, or you should have heard him. And yeah, they said, yeah, they're, they're teaching Sunday school, but man, they're griping about it the whole time, and they don't like something, or yeah, they're doing this, or they're doing that. And, and there was some grumbling, obviously, clearly going on. But remember, he said, my beloved. And so he loves them, and because he loves them, he says, yes, obey, but obey with the joy of the Lord. And we know that joy is one of the themes and he's going to get to that fourth chapter, and some of you in Sunday school are going to be in that fourth chapter today, and probably going to talk about the joy of the Lord and rejoicing, and again I say rejoice, and, and there's something significant about having that and serving God and obeying Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. Well, that means the grumbling has to stop, and the arguing, and the being upset about things, and and honestly, some of that has to do with where your eyes are fixed. Nobody grumbles and nobody argues about anything until they've taken their eyes off of Jesus. Therefore, because of the example of Jesus, because of His obedience, because He has the name above every other name, because He's the one someday we're going to kneel before and we're going to confess His name, and His name is above every other name, and because what our obedience is, whether it's in our marriage or our home or our church or whatever it is, it is done in the name of Jesus. Therefore, when my eyes are on Him, I have nothing to grumble about and nothing to be upset or to argue about. And yeah, we, we have to talk about differences and preferences, and I understand that, but it becomes a question of priority. And then finally, he says, and if you can get that kind of obedience, if you can obey like Jesus obeyed, if you can have the mind of Christ, if you can decide, I want to do what's right, Lord, and that's my commitment, and that's what I'm here for, I'm, I'm committed to you. And I want to obey you today and tomorrow and every day until my last day and I stand with all that crowd and I confess Jesus is Lord. If I want to do that, he says, if that's the kind of obedience you've got in your church, then a twisted and perverse world, literally that is in darkness, you will be for them shining stars. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, as shining stars. We certainly know that we live in a dark world 2,000 years ago. And by the way, the word, there's about five or six different words in Greek for sin. There's about seven or eight in the Old Testament. One of them literally is like a stick and sin is to be bent. Just to not be straight, to be crooked. There's one that means to be twisted. There's one of them that means to be perverse. Uh, there's some amazing, in fact, Psalm 51 has almost every single word in Hebrew for sin in it as David is confessing his sin. But this idea of we live in a world that does not understand the light of God, does not understand Jesus Christ, that someday are going to be there and maybe before they go off into hell, they're going to kneel and bow and they're going to acknowledge the name of Jesus and they desperately need someone in this world 
to show them the light. In fact, I think Jesus said, let your light show, so shine before men that they may see your good works. I think you could say they'd see your obedience. They'd see your good deeds. They'd see that you are following and obeying the Lord, and they would be drawn to His glory. Well, it's easy and kind of fun to talk about obedience. Kind of tough to do it. And whether you're aware of it or not, this whole invitation business is really all about obedience. That the idea is, and what we're assuming is that because where two or more are gathered, He's there and God is here and His Spirit is at work in this room and we've sung the praises of God and we've opened up His Word and we just have the assumption that God is speaking. And whether I have said very much about any specific kind of obedience, and I've really tried not to, that even as you are listening this morning, it may very well be that the Holy Spirit has put a little unction in the back of your heart and in your mind saying, Here's something that you've been struggling with, and I need you to do this. Here's somebody you've not been doing, and I I need you to start there. Here's something that's going on in your life that needs to change. Or maybe even as you're setting here, there's some kind of act of specific service that the Spirit of God has said, and God has said, hey, my will is to do this in you. And if He's given you any kind of specific act of obedience, then the example of Jesus says, Whether it's my will or not, Lord, if it's your will, that's what I want to do. But then I would just suggest to you that part of what we do on every time we gather as the body of Christ, there just ought to be that sense of saying, okay, Lord, whatever happened last week, I hope it was good. I tried to do what's right. I I messed up some and I've confessed that. But Lord, regardless of last week, I'm here right now. It's Sunday morning and Lord, today. My intention, my commitment is to let you be the Lord of my life. My commitment is to obey you. Lord, you reveal your will and I'll try to follow it. You give me directions, you create opportunities, you show me what to do. And Lord, I'm going to try to do it with your grace and with your strength and with your help. That's my intention. Someday, because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, Jesus is... Lord. Therefore, you've done pretty good. Don't stop. Keep working. Keep working because that's how God works and and His work goes on when you and I obey Him. And do your best to not grumble and I don't know, my kids were great at rolling their eyes. That was, you know, and I, I'm afraid sometimes we roll our eyes and we grumble or we get kind of frustrated or we, we, we lose sight and honestly we lose the joy of service. But the bottom line is, what is at stake? We live in a world that does not know what right is. I mean, they don't, they don't know what's right. And they go out of their way, even if they know what's right, they twist it and they bend it and they they try to make right look something entirely different. And God's plan is that the body of Christ in the world would be the shining light of what right really looks like. That's what we're to be. That's what we're to do. And you've been doing it good. Keep doing it.
some of those uh, junior high cross-country runners, at that point, almost anybody can go out for cross-country. Nobody gets cut from cross-country. And there are a lot of non-athletes that are doing it, and I'm glad they're doing it, and they have a great time, and the, the fellowship of being it together, but, but doggone it, when everybody starts cheering them on, keep going, they all pick up the pace. And this is kind of the reminder that what we've been doing is exactly the right thing. Do the next right thing, and the next right thing, and don't stop and keep doing it because that's the example of Christ, and that's the desperate need of the world, and because that's how you and I connect with our Lord. Well, Father, we pray that as we go to the next thing, that the next decision that each of us make, uh, the next right thing that you put before us, the, the next wrong thing that Satan puts before us, that in every one of those moments we will be victorious and we will because of Jesus Christ and because of the strength of Jesus Christ that we will do the next right thing and that we will be able not just someday to confess that you are Lord, but today by every action and decision and choice that we make. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618 439 3513